It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football. Man, it's great to hear that intro again, and it's great to be back in the studio here at the Student Center on the campus of Auburn University. I'm Christian Griffin, and to my right is Donovan Weaver. On the soundboard, we welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. Uh, Once again, if you're listening on the Weagle website or the Spotify podcast, we also uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Man, 21 days ago, long days ago, I should say, we said our goodbyes for the first semester where we gave our predictions for all the New Year's Six Bowl games. We now return for season two of Tailgate Talk just in time for the college football playoff national championship. First of all, what's up? I about to say, <laughs> I, it's kind of crazy because when you said three weeks, it doesn't even feel like that. It feels like it's been like maybe one or two, but 21 days away. Yeah. kind of feels weird just getting back in here. I remember I kind of walked in here, and nobody's in the student center again, so it's, it's kind of like that day we came in over Thanksgiving break and nobody else is in here but us. But, uh, no, it just feels good to be back here. But, hey, how was your Christmas? How was yeah. your New Year and all that? It was, it was great. I mean, you know, one game could have gone a little differently. It might have made me a little bit happier, but, you know, I, I won't say which one. I might – Shouldn't you know? We'll keep that private. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I did see that you received the best Christmas gift uh, of the two of us. I did. Yes, and I would say I did receive the best Christmas gift of the two. What of was us. it? Was a, a tumbler with like the voice of tailgate talk like, yeah. etched into it? Or yeah. Something? So my uh, so my sister to just I guess feed my narcissism got me a <laughs> a, a, a not really nice Yeti cup, but on it has my name, and then on the back of it it has. Uh, the voice of Weagle Tailgate Talk. So I was right. just like, yeah, just feeding that ego. And she actually said she thought about getting you one, but she thought it was going to be weird. Well, no, if you're <laughs> so. if, if she's listening to this, tell her that, yeah, I'm going to need one of those because that's, that's pretty sweet. Maybe not the one with Donovan on it. But, uh, oh no no we're just gonna, I'll, I'll just give you that one and then I'll make another one and it'll have Christian on it so perfect. we can that little connection we're shouting each other out exactly so, yeah speaking no. of shouting out um how about Jarrett Stidham making his first career NFL start throwing for 399 yards I saw he was only the second NFL player in history to throw for more than 350 and three touchdowns in his debut uh, unfortunately he just doesn't have a defense to to do literally anything otherwise. The Raiders walk away with an easy win on the 49ers. Yeah, that was kind of a crazy game because I remember I, I set it down because it started at 3 o'clock. I watched the Falcons game. We got a win, which was nice. It feels like it's been three years since we've gotten a win. And then I sat down and watched uh, Jarrett's game, and I got to see his first two drives, which he looked great, by the yeah. way, on. But I'd already planned to go see Avatar, The Way of Water. And so I was like, oh, I already have tickets for that, so i got to go watch that. And I just kept on keeping up with the score on my phone, and I kept on seeing Stidham stats going up and up and up. I'm like, dang, like – Jerry must be dealing right now. And then yeah. I saw that they went to overtime, and I checked that the Raiders got the ball. I was like, yes, let's go. And then I saw where the interception happened. I was like, nah. Yeah, both of them were a little unfortunate. One was batted uh, at the line of scrimmage, and the other one, uh, it's just a T.J. Watt play. Pushes his own lineman into Stidham, so Stidham got nothing on the throw. The ball kind of floated, got intercepted. But nonetheless, I mean, if you're a Raiders fan, I mean, you got to be happy with, with what the way that he performed other than – you know, the way that Derek Carr has seemed to perform for the entire year. And we're hoping that Stidham uh, will improve because he's already gotten the start for Week 17 as well. Uh, I think they, they are eliminated from the playoffs with that loss. But regardless, that's 
that's a, that's a solid game to, to build off of. Yeah, I've always thought that Jarrett had NFL talent, especially when he came to Auburn. I have no idea why he came to Auburn. I think he should <laughs> – I mean, just straight up, I, he's a pocket passer, and we yeah. and Gus turned him into a, a dual threat, like a straight-up dual threat. I don't know if you all remember that 2017 season, but he ran a lot. And, I mean, he was efficient enough at it, but I always thought if he got somewhere – uh, like again, like a Mike Leach offense, um, where he could throw the ball forty times a game. He, I think, he would have been first or second round pick. Yeah. So I'm hoping that with this, people will finally see like, I hey, this guy's got some talent. He's he's a really good quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's that too, and then the fact that you know you give weapons uh, or you give him weapons in the backfield with Josh Jacobs in the, on the at the tailback, and then I mean, shoot, you just throw the ball up, and Devontae Adams seems to come down with it every single time. And so, yeah, I mean, a talent like that, especially the arm talent that Stidham has, you give him uh, weapons in that backfield, and he could definitely be dangerous. Yeah, but also coming up today, Auburn's playing Georgia at Georgia, so that's a big game. Uh, we've, we've been talking about this at length, how Auburn just kind of hasn't looked quite what we want them to look like. They've had a couple games where they've looked really good, but they've also had some games where they've just kind of tripped and fell. Uh, they got past Florida, which was a thriller. I was there because I was working it. And now we have Georgia, which we expect to win, but you never know. It's on the road, hostile environment. And then the big one uh, next week, we, uh, I think we go to Ole Miss, and we got Arkansas at home. And I feel like that's the one everybody's looking at. But big game against Georgia tonight. Yeah, it really is. You're, you're really hoping to avoid the scare that they gave us last year there where uh, the controversial charge versus block call that Wendell got the block on ended up winning by a point. Uh, so, yeah, you're definitely hoping to, to take care of business there. I like the Bruce – I don't know if you saw the Instagram video or whatever where he was talking about how, like, he needs witnesses. So there's ways for Auburn fans to get to get tickets for those games. And since there's so many fans – Auburn fans in Georgia, me being uh, one of them, I expect to see a lot of Auburn fans there in the stands tonight. Uh, and I really am. I'm looking forward to seeing that team because Georgia's, you know, kind of on the brisk of being good, but they're not quite there yet. So uh, – It'll be interesting to see where Auburn matches up because I think they're only like six-and-a-half-point favorites, which I kind of expected more. But granted, the way that we've been looking the past couple weeks, it's a little bit understandable. And I think we are planning on going to uh, the New Year's Six Bowl recaps, but I think we're first going to have to take a little break here. Uh, Make sure to join us. I don't know why I was saying join us. We're not not ending the show. No, we're not. We're just uh, just beginning. Yeah, we are. But no, stay tuned. Uh, We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're going to go over the New Year's Six Bowl recaps before getting to the eventual championship game between um, between TCU and Georgia. First up, we have the Capital One Orange Bowl. Tennessee played Clemson, and Tennessee just kind of dominated this game in surprising fashion, I would say, 31-14, to uh, with Hendon Hooker declaring for the draft, and obviously he's been injured. He was having a Heisman-like season. Uh, people thought Tennessee were back, and then he got hurt, which was definitely a big blow to their uh, to their team. But Joe Milton III came in. I know they're playing Vanderbilt, but he looked amazing, and he kind of continued that with this game. Yeah, he really did. I mean, 19 for 21, 251, and three touchdowns. Uh, didn't really seem to make any mistakes. Had seemed very comfortable in that backfield. And I tell you what, the arm strength that he has is is kind of crazy. It almost just looks like he's throwing a little a little six yard hitch with a little flick, and all of a sudden it's a fifty yard bomb that's completed. Uh, Tennessee is definitely in good hands for the next couple of years, I would say. Uh, at the very least, uh, Klubnik for Clemson definitely struggled in his first career start. I mean, he did go 30 of 54, had 320 passing yards, and he did have two interceptions, both of those in the fourth quarter. It was just seemed like Clemson felt very out of rhythm that entire game, and, and literally every aspect of the game. 
Uh, I mean, even like on the the kickoffs, it was just the 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 way that Clemson usually runs things. They have like an offsides on on a kickoff, like just things like that that you just don't really see from Clemson. Uh, but it's ironic because Clemson outgained Tennessee by over 100 yards, 484 to 375, and Clemson had 75 fewer pa- penalty yards, not passing yards, penalty yards. Uh, so like you're looking at that, if you just look at those stats, you're like, okay, I feel like Clemson should, you know, not only maybe not only have the lead, but you know, kind of kind of be blowing them out. Um, but it's definitely not the case. Another thing, I mean, Tennessee shows that time of possession is very overrated in today's world of college football, only holding the ball for just over 22 minutes. And again, I mean, I just think it's a complete a complete game from Tennessee. I mean, with Joe Milton, you, you mentioned the Vanderbilt game. We saw him and he looked good, but it was kind of like, all right, but like how how legit is this team, especially with Jalen Hyatt out too, their number one receiver. Uh, but I mean, players stepped up and made a bunch of plays. And Tennessee, I mean, I think is here to stay. And I think that's that's not over an overreaction at all. They're definitely here to stay, not only in the East, not only in the SEC, but in the in the real world of college football. No, and it's good, too, because it's a good thing for college football because, as we all know, in the early 2000s, 90s, Tennessee was a powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they pretty much went, I don't want to disrespect them, they kind of went into oblivion for about 10 to 15 years there where Tennessee couldn't get the coach right or whatever. They couldn't get anything going. And then finally this year uh, with Hooker, they – they exploded. They looked like a different team. Obviously, they beat Alabama in a thrilling game. And then now they have Joe Milton, the third, coming in. So you have two, which I think, two of the best quarterbacks in college football. I don't know how you got that lucky, but you did. And now Joe Milton, the third's going to get to see what he can do next year. And I think they're very big contenders, not only win the East, but I mean, I could see them win the SEC next year. Yeah, and especially in a couple of years when that 12-team playoff comes uh, I mean, this is going to be a team that you're not you're not really going to want to face. You don't really want to face that type of offense late in the year, and especially when things are rolling the way that Tennessee has things rolling now. Uh, yeah, you're not going to really want to see them. And I mean, looking looking at this game specifically, you know, we we expected this to kind of be, or at least what we predicted, um, you know, to not necessarily be the biggest upset. Uh, we, we both predicted that Clemson would kind of single hand or not single handedly, but handedly take this game just because of the way that their defense just thrives. Um, but they definitely didn't. And I think there were a couple bigger upsets in this week, too. Uh, yes, there was. So if you want to go to it, uh, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, uh, a game that I really wanted my Troy Trojans to be in, but unfortunately that Colorado game uh, snubbed them. Uh, they did get to 12 wins in the season, so shout out to Troy for a great season. But the two-lane green wave upsetting USC 46-45, to kind of one of those games where if you watched it and you stopped watching after the third quarter, you would have missed a, yeah. a miraculous comeback by the green wave as they came back from several touchdowns to get the win over USC. Yeah, I think uh, I'd love to be able to like trademark this, but I think this was Tailgate Talk's official upset of the year. We both picked two-lane uh, to upset the Trojans. And it's just it's another thing where a coach can't seem to get over the hump. We, you know, we were looking at it from uh, with Kirby a couple of years ago, not being able to take that next step. Lincoln Riley, man, even when he's at OU, just can't seem to win that big game that he needs to. Couldn't win the Pac-12 championship with USC, and then losing this big game here, uh, just kind of you know raises the questions of you know what 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 can happen postseason? Because again, you look dominant in the regular season, then all of a sudden the big game happens and. You know, you kind of—I don't want to say roll over because you're still putting up 45 points, but 
man, a defense giving up 46 and you're giving up 15 in the final four minutes, that's that's a hard thing to swallow. No, it really is. And then also, and no disrespect to uh, Tulane here, but it's a non-Power 5 team you're facing. Yeah. So in reality, you should be thinking, well, we got the luckiest draw, right? We don't have to play Alabama or we don't have to play one of these other teams that uh, – almost got in the playoff. We don't have to play Penn State again or or Utah or somebody like that. So you would have figured that USC would have took care of this and tried to like made that argument if they like let's say they blow out Tulane. Well maybe we probably should have been in the playoff. We just got unlucky. Caleb Williams got hurt uh, on that final uh, drive in the Pac twelve championship game. But when you not only lose, but the way they lost where I mean really in reality you should have you should have handily won that game yeah. and you let Tulane come back. It does look really bad. And I think it goes back to the point where I don't want to say it's one of those situations where it's like they didn't realize the magnitude of the game. Again, I think bowl games are important. And not only that, this was a New Year's Six Bowl. And I, but you can make the argument too, Lane, like you, uh, uh, UCF a couple years ago with Auburn, like, well, this was their national championship game. But, I mean, still, you, you got to go. This is a big game. Go out and win it. I know this is a big game for Lincoln Riley, and they couldn't get it done. Yeah, they, no, they couldn't at all. And, again, I, I like what you said there where it's, you know, you – you hear the things of like, oh well, they didn't care. They 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 lost the season the week before, so this game really didn't matter. But like, that's not true. It's really not, and especially from a standpoint like USC, you don't want to go out and lose to a power or a group of five team because that just doesn't look good for the resume. It doesn't look good for all the recruits coming in. But the craziest thing that I'm looking at is if I would have told you the quarterback lines for the games you would have told me that USC dominated and absolutely blew him out. Caleb Williams goes 37 for 52, uh, 462 yards and five touchdowns. That's a solid game. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid it's, game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Caleb Williams game. I mean, that shows why he won the Heisman. But uh, Michael Pratt, on the other hand, he did have two touchdown passes, one of those being an 87-yard touchdown and the other one being the final touchdown of the game. But his total stat line was 8 for 17 for 234 yards and two touchdowns. So if you take away that 87-yard touchdown pass, very, very subpar performance, at least through the air from from the two-lane, or from the green wave. But uh, let's take a look at the rushing stats. USC ran for a combined 132 yards, while Tulane averaged nine yards per carry as a team. Mm. Not from like one jet sweep or anything like that, but as a team collecting 305 total yards on the ground. Ty J Spears, who we've talked about that, that one-two combo that Tulane has, uh, had 17 carries for uh, 205 yards and only 17 carries and four touchdowns. Yikes. Yeah, again, not to toot our, our own horn, but I think we both predicted Tulane to win, which, again, that was the big upset of the week. But we also predicted Spears to go off. We yeah. said if Tulane's going to win, they're going to have to run the ball. And, well, not only did they do what – they exceeded my expectations. I said they needed to be around 4.5 to 5 yards a carry. But uh, nine, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say that a, could, that, that'll win you some that's ball That's a solid stat. If it's, hey, we're going to hand the ball off. Uh, just go almost get a first down every single time. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily work quite like that, but that's still, that's a heck of a stat line. And, I mean, again, not to just continue to, to beat a dead horse with the USC defense, but they're going to have to figure out some pieces because those past two games, they got exposed. Or, I mean, again, even if you want to say for a majority of the season, I mean, if you don't have Caleb Williams in that offense, I mean, you're looking at another 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five type year just because Caleb Williams is having to go out there and put up 56 or 63 points a game for you to win. Yeah, and before we move on, again, congrats on Tulane from having the biggest single-year flip ever. They were 2-10 and 10 last year. 
and then they're twelve and two this year, which is honestly quite astounding. It remi- obviously it reminded me of Auburn, yeah, from a twenty uh, twelve to twenty thirteen when when Gus got here. But I feel like this was even more impressive to an extent because I don't know. I don't. I don't say you go from two and ten to twelve and two, and then you beat USC, who <laughs> was a playoff team uh, about what five weeks ago. Everybody yeah. thought they were going to get in the playoffs. Uh, real quick, I do want to mention this game before we go to break because there wasn't a whole lot to it. It feels like the inverse of this game where you thought USC should have took care of their quote lesser opponent same thing with the sugar bowl alabama played kansas state and you expect alabama to take care of this but the big question is oh will they not be up for it since they didn't get in the playoff uh no i think they were up for it the <laughs> bama took care of business 45 to 20 bryce young does what he does and with an amazing stone uh stat line and just really wasn't a game i actually watched this game from finished in i probably shouldn't have but I was just hoping that Kansas State, come on, make that little push, and it never happened. Yeah, well, that 10-0 run in the first quarter, you had raised a couple eyebrows. You were like, okay, uh, maybe maybe that Bama team didn't come, didn't rise to the occasion, but uh, 35 unanswered in about 17 minutes of actual game time from the end of the first quarter, the entire second quarter, and then a minute and a half into the third quarter. Bama put up five touchdown drives. And for Bryce Young, I mean, if you're going to throw five touchdowns, you know, at least only have like five complete or five incompletions, you know, it's pretty disrespectful to have more incompletions than touchdowns. I say that comically because he had six incompletions and he threw for five touchdowns. So that's a pretty, pretty solid stat line in your final game in a Crimson Tide jersey, which uh, I will publicly say I am very thankful for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, Again, I don't like to give Bama much credit, but uh, Bryce Young, he is a special player, and I feel like Bama usually goes out and gets serviceable quarterbacks. Like yeah. their, their quarterbacks are pretty good, but like they're not the NFL starter level like a Tua or a, as you see Jalen Hurts is now, at how, how good the Eagles are doing. But uh, I feel like Bryce Young is definitely one of those guys who he's going to be a top five pick, and he's, he'll change the NFL team for whoever he goes to. Yeah, I don't see how if you're comparing talent-wise – that you're going to put Will Levis ahead of Bryce Young on the quarterback board. I just I don't see I don't see how that's that's possible. I mean, you see what Bryce Young does week in and week out. Arguably, I think the the coordinators there cost Bryce Young a national championship if not two national championships because I think he arguably is the best at least college quarterback that we've seen at that Alabama team in a very long time. No, I'm about to say and I'm I'm probably going to get some flack from this. I I'd say it's either him and then I'd say AJ McCarron was as as far as a college quarterback was probably the best they've ever had. But I feel like Bryce Young is in that conversation, and also Jalen Hurts to an extent. Uh, talent, if we're going by yeah. talent wise, because Jalen Hurts is again we're seeing what he's doing at the next level. But Bryce Young again, whoever he goes to, it's going to be a it's going to be a difference maker. Unfortunately, I don't think the Falcons are going to be quite high enough to get him. So I guess we'll miss out on that. But we are going to take a little break. We got a couple more New Year's Six bowls to talk about, and then obviously the two playoff games, and then we'll talk about the national championship that is coming up next week. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We just have one more regular uh, New Year's Six Bowl to go before we recap those two playoff games. And it was the Rose Bowl. We had Penn State versus Utah. Penn State did take care of business 35-21. to Sean Clifford, who, as we know, has been around since before automobiles were created <laughs> at Penn State, played his fine, final game as a Nittany Lion. And he played out of his mind, going 16-22 for 279 yards. And two touchdowns, very solid game from him. But unfortunately for the Utes, back-to-back Rose Bowl losses. So 
it's kind of it's kind of one of those scenarios where you're having great seasons, so it's good that you're having great seasons, but then you just can't get over the hump to win that final big game. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, honestly, exactly what you said. Just the fact that that's two straight Rose Bowl losses for Utah. Uh, I mean, the Cameron Rising injury definitely hurt. I feel like as soon as he went down, it was like you know the Utes' hopes kind of spiraled down. But it's like Clifford comes out in like these really weird games every once in a while and seems to be the perfect quarterback, makes every single right decision. And that's one thing that I think James Franklin and Penn State fans would tell you is there's certain games where he comes out and tries to do everything. He tries to be Superman, and it doesn't really work. Uh, and that's that's where the frustration comes from. But he seemed like he did everything right. Uh, so, I mean, congrats for him. He ends his career with a Rose Bowl victory. Uh, it is really cool seeing, again, with Bryce Young, too, you know, you, watching these guys that left, obviously, a tremendous legacy for that program, uh, leaving such big wins for for those teams. Uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, looking at Penn State as their overall year, end up going 11-2, and two, which is a pretty solid year. Nonetheless, the fact that you're looking at their two losses came from literal playoff teams. They lost to Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, we've talked about it again, how that Big Ten West needs to needs to be mixed up because if you have a team that goes 11-2, and two, they shouldn't be – underlined by by playoff teams or you know it shouldn't be Michigan playing Purdue or whatever in the the Big Ten championship uh James Franklin comes in to the year on the hot seat but I think it's it's officially just I think you can say that that seat's calmed down a little bit I don't think it's as hot uh but yeah I mean a great win for for Penn State now I know that they have a top top quarterback recruit coming in uh, so, I mean, I don't think anything ex- expect- expectancy-wise changes for the Nittany Lions. No, again, uh, Penn State's been good for a couple years. I know they had a bit of a down year last year, and we kind of talked about that back uh, months ago when Auburn was playing Penn State. Like, oh, maybe they're not that good because they weren't that good last. No, they're, they're pretty good this year. They had a near-perfect year. I would say, again, your only loss is coming to two playoff teams and two of the best teams in the country. And then you took care of all the rest of the games you, sh- you need, quote-unquote, needed to take care of. And then you win the most historic bowl game uh, in college football history with the Rose Bowl win. So, no, a good good end of the season for uh, Penn State and a great end of a career for uh, Sean Clifford. And that brings us to our first playoff game we had. It was the Fiesta Bowl, the TCU Horn Frogs versus the Michigan Wolverines. And I know probably Christian, my, my co-host, probably wasn't too – I guess shocked by this outcome, but I certainly was because I had the Wolverines all the way. Actually, they were my pick to win the national championship. Looks like I'm going to be wrong as TCU does take care of business 51 to 45. I'm going to let Christian just kind of go over this because his boy Max Dugan, of course, that is your guy, and he won the biggest game of his life, especially after that comeback, after you lose, um, after you lose your conference championship. And you don't even know if you're going to be in. They do put you in. People are like, you shouldn't be in. Bama needs to be in. And then you go out and beat Michigan. Uh, quite a statement. Yeah. Well, you say that he won the biggest game of his life. Um, we'll wait. Oh, okay. We'll, okay. We'll okay. wait. <laughs> He's um, got one more coming up? <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, man, the Fiesta Bowl, what a great name. Not only for a bowl, but for this game in itself. I mean, you look at a 51-45 to 45 type of game, uh, there's some fiestas going on in the end zone. Uh, especially even on defense, two two TCU pick sixes. The defense defenses are getting involved in the end zone, which you know is kind of a scary thing for an offense. But again, TCU they defeat Goliath or a mini Goliath, if you want to say, uh, if you're comparing Michigan and Georgia. 
Duggan did struggle a little bit. Uh, we noticed it in the Kansas State game that their offensive line struggles with the blitz. Yeah. And so if you can heat up that pocket, that's where Max seems to be thrown off a little bit. And I mean, if you go to, if you, you went 14 for 29, still threw for 225 25 yards, had two touchdowns, had, did have two interceptions. Um, one one throw was just a, a bad throw, but the other one, I mean, if it hits the receiver in the face mask and pops up, that, again, we've talked about that, how there needs to be an asterisk for receivers getting interceptions and stuff like that. Uh, Duggan, he made forward up on the ground like he always did, or always does, had 57 yards and two touchdowns on 15 carries. Uh, someone we've talked about numerous times again, Quentin Johnston continues to shine, six, rep, six receptions, 163 yards. He did have a touchdown as well. And on the other side of the ball, J.J. McCarthy, you know, I mean, you don't want to say he looked bad because he didn't look bad at all. 20 for 34, 343 yards. Uh, he also had two touchdowns and two interceptions and added a touchdown on the ground. But the thing that gets underlined in this game or gets overlooked, I would say, is neither of the offenses, but I've heard a lot about the praise of TCU's defense. And that's kind of comical to me because, you know, you're, it's like, a, you know, we had two pick sixes. We're a great defense or whatever. But you gave up – where is it? You gave up 528 total yards of offense. Uh, you gave up 24 points in the third quarter alone. Granted, you put up 20. But yeah. but still, that's you can't you know rely on something like that every single game. Uh, I refer to it as almost – TCU's defense is like Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Diggs-esque to where, you know, if you don't watch football, you see that Trayvon Diggs, you know, leads the league in – interceptions or whatever, but you look into it a little bit more. It's like, yeah, he leads the, leads the league in interceptions because quarterbacks try him all the time because he gives up the most receiving yards in the league. So it's like a you're given, you take. Uh, but, I mean, granted, who am I to say that TCU wouldn't take giving up 528 yards for them to walk away with a win? And it's also kind of funny that the Horn Frogs, a team that had, what was it, like 200 to 1 odds to make the, the playoff. Auburn had higher Yeah, we had uh, higher initial odds. Didn't quite to, happen. Uh, <laughs> To make the playoff, but uh, TCU knocks off Jim Harbaugh out of the college football world, essentially. Um, it's reported that he's not expected to return to Michigan or to the NCAA as both the Panthers and the Broncos have reached out to him. And if he gets a deal, he is expected to sign. What do you think about that move? Is that like a am shying away from winning big games? Or do you think it's like, eh, I went two games against Ohio State. Let me go ahead and get out of here. Honestly, I think it's kind of tough because I think Jim Harbaugh is a masterful coach. I've sang his praises all the way back in 2014 when he was at the 49ers. I think he's amazing, and he beat the Falcons, which was unfortunate. But I do think he's a great coach. I don't think it's so much shying away as I think he is an NFL coach. And I think he's done great things at Michigan. I mean, heck, I mean – he did beat Ohio State twice, which is big, and he's also made it to the playoff twice. So I think he's done great things, but in reality, I do think he is an NFL coach, which, by the way, I think it's harder. I think it's harder to coach at the NFL level just because, I mean, you're talking about salary caps and players, and it's it's not so much players playing for the love of the game, but they're playing because, well, it's their job now, which I know is actually going to kind of change now that college football is kind of getting more like the NFL with NIL and all that. But I think uh, I think it's brilliant by the Panthers and Broncos. I, I would try to go get Jim Harbaugh too. I don't think it's really shying away. I just think he is an NFL coach, and really, I don't think he really should have ever left the league. But I think he's done good things at Michigan. I don't think his time at Michigan would be like a, a down. I know a lot of Michigan fans probably think that because they didn't win a national championship. But I think he's done good things at Michigan. But this one does hurt though because you did expect to win this game. Uh, 
most people thought, well, oh, dang, you got so lucky. George has to go play Ohio State, and you get to play TCU, which, you know, just lost in their conference championship game. So now you got a free ride to the national championship. But uh, Max Duggan said not so fast, and looks like he is going to send Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, it is kind of a weird thing you're looking at it because if Michigan wins this game and say Michigan ends up beating or would have ended up beating Georgia, you know, would that change the whole situation of now you're the the most recent national championship winning coach? You, you wouldn't really see see someone win a national championship in college and go, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm ready to make that jump again. Uh, you'd think that things would stick out, especially regardless of the national championship. If you're looking at the past two years, you're essentially I mean, you've made the playoff both both times. Uh, you've lost in the semifinal both games, but you know what I would give for Auburn to make it to the semifinals and lose? I'd give a lot for for something like that. So it is a it's a kind of a weird situation. I guess we'll just have to see um, to see what plays out because again, this is all speculation right now. But you know, if there's insiders saying that he's because there were there were talk, I feel like there's talks of it every single year of him going back to the NFL. So in in games like that, when you lose, I feel like it could be a lot easier to. Uh, well, let me go back to to my roots again. You mentioned how he, I, I feel like he's an NFL coach as well. Um, I mean, again, what was it was the 49ers? Yes, yeah, 49ers. Yeah, he had Colin Kaepernick, and yeah. it, it is kind of unfortunate because I didn't look up the stat, but it just occurred to me that he has brought his he's brought his NFL team and his college team to the pinnacle of their sport and has lost both of them. He's yes. made it to the Super Bowl and he's made it to the College Football Playoff and he can't just he can't get over that hump because I do think he is a fantastic coach. But again, I, I don't think the naysayers are gonna go away until he wins the big one, whether that be if he stays at Michigan and eventually wins the national championship or if he jumps the NFL and maybe can lead the Panthers or Broncos to a Super Bowl. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then real quick, do you you want to you want to go to break real quick or you just wanna... we might as well? Yeah, oh. let's go to break real quick. I, I, I'll just say I don't think we could talk about the Peach Bowl in uh two minutes, so we'll go to break real quick. Uh, we're gonna recap that Peach Bowl, uh, Georgia stunning win over Ohio State, and then we will give a little preview to the national championship. You're w- listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. We have one more playoff game to go before we. Preview that national championship matchup between TCU and Georgia and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl was Georgia versus Ohio State. Georgia did win a very close 142-41. to uh, I feel like the big stat in this game was C.J. Stroud. He went 23 of 34 with 348 yards and four touchdowns, so very good game for the Ohio State quarterback. But it was Stetson Bennett getting the win for his team. He's looking to be the only quarterback ever to win back-to-back uh, college football playoff national championship games and it's kind of funny because I know they showed a stat on ESPN how much older he is than like seven starting NFL quarterbacks which is really funny but if you do go back and look at that uh his facial expressions from like that last minute where it's like doom and gloom and then oh we won it's 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 a really funny uh kind of play-by-play of kind of what happened in the game but what did you see in this game actually I want to start off with a question for you if that's cool uh targeting or not yeah. Okay. Targeting. Yeah. I, if we're going by the rules, yeah, I think I, I think so. So this is the thing that that's obviously the controversial thing with the game, and I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think by if you're looking at the black and white rules of targeting, I don't think it is, but I think that's what's so wrong with the uh, with the official ruling of targeting, because in the NFL that would be just an unsport or an unnecessary roughness to be a 15 yard penalty or half the distance or whatever, no ejection. And you move on. And I feel like that's what needs to 
that needs to be in consideration with a targeting call like that because i mean a, a target the official targeting rule is you know of a, a brute force or whatever the the head or neck area especially if you lower your crown that's kind of the or the crown of your helmet that's that's kind of the the easy decider right there but he didn't lead with the crown of his helmet he almost led with the back of his shoulder yeah um and so if you're looking at it from that, I mean, obviously he didn't make a play for the ball. That's the thing that where the controversy comes from. But the the targeting call we've talked about it before is such a is such a, a weird call. There's so much gray area in a call that should be relatively easy to make, or if it's not that easy to make, add back the unnecessary roughness that was there that used to take place for that kind of penalty. Because as of right now, we're looking at it where it's 100% yes or 100% no. And in a call like that, I don't feel like that's necessarily the case. You can have no targeting but still have, you know, unnecessary roughness. And I feel like that's kind of the thing that college football needs to look at. Yeah, I think it is interesting. And I don't love that players get thrown out for targeting, especially, again, some hits. I don't think there's any plays from the game. But, I mean, you see some targeting hits. You're like, okay, that guy's just trying to make a football play. Right. And maybe he just got in a bad position. Now he's gone from the game. And then if you're in the second half, you're you're gone for the first half of the next game, which I don't know. I think that's just kind of wrong. I, I think they should do it like the NFL where it's just unnecessary roughness. That's 15 yards, but obviously you get to stay in. And you could maybe do it like a like a flagrant in a basketball where if you get two of them, okay, then you're tossed. Or yeah, like a personal foul where you can get two in college football. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I, I definitely don't think that you should be thrown out of the game for targeting. But, no, I think – Honestly, yeah. I don't think you made a play on the ball, just like in basketball. If you don't make a play for the ball, you kind of a very scary hit, too. Yeah. yeah I, I think it should have been called. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's such a – again, the fact that we can't even sit here and be like, yes, it was, or no, it's not. I feel like we could both agree that it was unnecessary roughness at the bare minimum. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, a call like that can be so changing to a game, I mean, you end up, you know, settling for three instead of a touchdown – uh, and you lose by you lose by a point. That's kind of a big thing. Like again, going back to targeting, I'm all for the the Ray Lewis middle linebacker, Wes Welker slot receiver coming across the middle of the field and just getting absolutely laid out. Like I I understand that type of call, but if you're gonna call targeting on on certain plays that get called, not this one that we're talking about, but on on other plays, then why aren't, why aren't running backs ever called for targeting? Because running backs lower their head on every single play. You know what I mean? So there's so many different things that that you can look at that would create that answer to be yes or create that answer to be no. So again, that's a that's the whole thing there. But I don't want to spend you know too too much time on it because uh, if we're being honest, Ryan Day didn't deserve to win the game anyway because of how he handled the last drive. Um, C.J. Stroud, we've talked about, could not be stopped. That that Ohio State passing offense could not be stopped. The big question that we had throughout our conversations and throughout the airtime a couple weeks ago was if that Ohio State offense would give Stroud enough time to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball. Because Stroud, he did show some mobility, which I haven't really seen all year. But if he can sit in that pocket, I don't think, I think undoubtedly he might have the best quarterback position talent that an NFL team could look for him. Yeah. You know, you look at Caleb Williams and his ability to scramble and do stuff like that, or you're looking at Bryce Young. I feel like that's like a playmaker, stuff like that. But if you want somebody who's going to sit in the pocket, deliver an accurate ball on time, I mean, you watched the Peach Bowl. You saw what he did. You saw how he carved up that secondary. Uh, on the last drive, you have a minute left, which I felt like was not only enough time to get a field goal, but, I mean, if you wanted to, you could go get six. Yeah. Uh, you're three plays, two, three plays, and you're already at the opposing 30. 
and instead of you know continuing to press the gas, you have two timeouts, and you're like, uh, we're gonna play conservative, we're gonna run the ball. Uh, and instead of getting Rebels, instead of giving you a 20 yard chip shot, we're gonna give you a 94 yard field goal. <laughs> Uh, with the entire world watching you, good luck. Yeah, good luck. And yeah, I felt uh, again. I I'm glad to see there hasn't been like a. a t- I know people kind of poke fun at, him, but not too much hate of the kicker because yeah, again, I feel like what's so bad in his mind if you barely miss that kick or if it hits the upright, you're like, oh, it was a tough kick. Yeah. But the way he missed it, I mean, he just he shanked it. But I mean, it was a big moment. He probably tried to put everything he had to into it. And that's how you get that kind of kick is when you, big moment you probably don't really have the leg for it so you've really got to just try to dig down deep and your mechanics get off and that's what happens so no I agree I feel like Ryan Day I'm not gonna say he had in the bag but I mean you, you sh- probably you should have won this game especially considering you were up 38-27 or sorry 38-24 uh, going into the fourth yeah. you should have won this game you had a huge lead going into the fourth and you blew it you blew that 14 point lead so. No, I, again, I feel like they just let, you, you can't keep great teams around, which is what Ohio State did. Georgia is a great team. Georgia, talent wise, is the best team in the country. And if you have them beat or if you have them down, you got to keep that foot on the gas pedal. And again, Ohio State just kind of faltered. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I like the thing where, yeah, you keep a good team around, you're eventually going to make one mistake or whatever. And all of a sudden, that one mistake is all that they need to to regain that confidence. And I don't even think if it was necessarily a mistake in this game, it was just what I think might be the greatest timeout call in the history of college football with Kirby Smart. And, you know, there's one thing, being being an Auburn fan, not to get on like a personal level, level or, but like I feel like we can, I can casually conversate with an Alabama fan most of the time, but I feel like some Georgia fans, it's almost like a little bit too extreme. But from a coaching standpoint, I don't know if there's anybody that I want to play for in the country more than Kirby Smart. Just the way that he handles his business. And I feel like it all started in that 2017 game um, where Auburn, what was it, 41-17, carry on Johnson with the screen pass, dove into the end zone or whatever, lights went out in Athens. That whole call, and Gus got caught saying, you know, we beat the, the dog crap yeah. out of him. And uh, we play again three weeks later in the SEC championship, and they're asking Kirby about, you know, do you hear what, what Gus said, that he beat the dog crap out of you? And he responded to his team like, yeah. Because they did. And I just feel like that's such a cool thing. Sorry, I know that's totally like not about this game at all, but but Kirby's just one of those guys that I feel like I'd love to play for uh, if I had the ability to and wasn't sitting here with a headset on. And so the mind that he had that it's fourth and half a yard at their own 30, they might try and run a fake punt. They get the timeout call. They did run the fake punt. They actually got it, but they did get the timeout. I feel like that that's arguably the greatest timeout call uh, in the history of college football. Yeah, and it, it goes back to this thing where I feel like, and I've gotten in trouble doing this too, where people say, well, Nick Saban's such a great coach, and then I and then I like to always counter. And I say, no, he's a great recruiter. Yeah. And if you have the best players, it's not that hard to win. But you have seen over the years, and big time in the NFL this season, where bad time management, bad play calls or whatever just completely ruin a game. And as you see, you saw a good example of great coaching with Kirby Smart and then bad coaching with Ryan Day. And that and that's where coaching can win or lose you games. So I can say all day long, well, Georgia got the best better players, Kirby should win this game. 
But again, it, it does a lot of times it does come down to a coaching call or inverse. It can come down to just a player making a play. You can have the greatest scheme of all time, and you're playing just a great player like a Cam Newton that just runs through your defense. Or well, I can't do anything about that. It, it's just it's that's why I think we love this game so much. It's so complex. So many different things can happen. The best team could win uh, every every Saturday, or a, a team can play out of their mind. You can get out schemed. So many different variables, and as you saw. Uh, I think it was just a case of Ryan Day got out coached at the end. At least he got out coached at the end, and he he left that gap to let Georgia get back in the game. And they did. They took it, and then and that's why then the championship game. And Ryan Day is going back to Ohio. But. Yeah, just a it's a crazy again. You talk about it. It's just a crazy game, and I feel like that's why we love it. As crazy as it is, and how many years it takes off of our lives every <laughs> every single season. I mean, but again, if you're if you're watching that game and you don't care who wins. I mean, you can't ask for – I mean, honestly, even both semifinal games, if you don't care who wins, you're watching strictly as a college football fan. Uh, I mean, that's literally all you can ask for. You can't tell me that any NFL game lives up to that hype that, that college football brings. Uh, but, yeah, TCU and Georgia brings us to the college football playoff national championship. I think we're going to take a quick break real quick before we go into it. But before we do go into a break – uh, I do have a little trivia question for you, and it does it does resolve around the whole national championship aspect. We'll see how many you can get uh, when we come back into this break. But before we head to break, the question is, uh, to name as many starting quarterbacks that have won the national championship since 2000. So there's 22 slots. There's not 22 names because a couple of them repeated. Yeah. But how many starting quarterbacks can you name that won the college football, or I guess not the, the BCS at that time, but the national championship? Yeah, that'll be interesting. So right. first, I gotta get the team, and then I gotta be like, okay, who's the team now? Who's the quarterback? I, again, I feel like I can get most of these. Yeah. I feel like there's uh, early two thousands though. It's gonna get a little that's hazy. How, that's how I was. I got fourteen, so I, w- I was a little bit surprised with that. I got the ones that that I really thought I was gonna get, but there were a couple that I were like, huh? So yeah, so we'll see. Uh, but on the other side of this commercial break, we'll see how many Donovan can get. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Week on 91.1 FM. Sorry, I was just I was sitting here trying to get the – and I was just going through my notes like, okay, this, 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 and then and then I realized the commercial break was up. But I'm actually going to throw this to uh, Christian real quick. Uh, I'll let you start talking about the National Championship game, and I'm going to try to figure out these last couple okay. and see if I can get it. But we do have the National Championship game. Is TCU versus Georgia. Uh, should be an interesting one. I feel like, again – I always like to say it's a quarterback battle. But if we're doing quarterback battle, I think Dugan's got this over Bennett. But Bennett has proven over his career, especially the last two years, that he might not be the best quarterback in the game. But more often than not, he usually does win it. So what do you think about this game? Yeah, TCU opens as the largest underdog in championship era. They're 12.5-point underdogs. It started at 13.5, but has dropped a point for for what that means. Uh, I think it's a true case of David and Goliath. I mean, you hear about all these types of stories about the you know the younger brother going and beating the big brother finally, or again like a David and Goliath type deal. And one thing that I think is interesting is let's flip roles on the quarterbacks real quick. Let's put Stetson Bennett on TCU and let's put Max Duggan on Georgia. Is this even a game? Uh, I, I I don't think so, no. But I mean, if 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 it's uh, if it's up to me, I, I think it's a. Uh, oof. Again, I think I think Duggan's just he's like the heart and soul of that team, and you saw it again. You saw it in that uh, conference championship game where he just kept 
pushing, pushing. He was hurt, but he kept pushing. He showed that fight. I think he's one of the best players in college football. And while I do think Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback, um, I think Max Dugan's just got a different level. So if you did switch them up, I'd – I don't. I don't think that Ohio State game would have been close. Honestly, I think Georgia would have blown them out of the water. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy thing about that because you know most championship teams you're looking at like the quarterback being the leader, so where you could almost flip the teams, put one quarterback on one, and you know it's it's still a very a very neutral matchup. But this game is so is so different. And again, that's not a shot at Stetson whatsoever because he could be the best, the best schematic average quarterback that college football has ever seen I mean what was he He was 20 he's like 30 and 2 now in his his years as a starter at Georgia uh that's just so it's it's such a crazy thing to think about when you're looking at stats I mean the two teams they really do match up well together if you're looking at stats in themselves then again you know you look at the conferences that they're playing in uh, Duggan finished with 3,500 passing yards. Stetson with 3,800. Duggan threw for 32 touchdowns. Uh, Stetson Bennett threw for 23. You're looking at Kendra Miller for rushing yards. Uh, finished with just under 1,400 rushing yards. Kenny McIntosh is Georgia's leading rusher, but then again, Georgia has three or four backs that they can go to at any point in time. Uh, so, you know, one back's not going to have, you know, the stardom that, that – Kendra Miller does and that many carries per game. Uh, one big thing too is that Darnell Washington has an ankle sprain and might be out. So that's that's kind of a big. I didn't even know that. Yeah, wow. that, that's a big a big thing that could be missed there. But I do feel like he's so. I don't want to say undervalued. I don't want I don't want that to be. But he's very underlooked in that tight end room because of, uh, because of the best tight end, in college football being Brock Bowers, has fifty six receptions on the year, seven hundred ninety receiving yards, six touchdowns. I think he also has three or four rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, they're all like 75-yard rushing touchdowns as well. Yeah, SoFi Stadium, Monday night, 7.30. I'm going to get one more. Do you have you have anything before we make predictions? Not really. Again, I feel like this is a – it's just such a weird game where I feel like a lot of people are probably predicting Georgia to absolutely run away with this in a pretty, like, big fashion. Kind of, kind of almost – Almost like the Michigan game, how people were predicting that, except this is bigger because it's Georgia. Yeah. And people thought Mich- Michigan, again, it's it's almost like how you said, like Michigan was like the little superpower. Georgia is, they are. Like they're, they're the powerhouse team. They're the team everybody expected to win the national championship at the beginning of the year. They went undefeated. They took care of business. They beat Ohio State in a thrilling game. And then again, now people are like, oh, man, you got so lucky. Now you get TCU. I mean, that that's the team everybody wanted to face. You didn't want to face Bama in this spot or a USC. You wanted to face TCU. So I feel like it is one of those games where people are like, Georgia's going to run away with this. But again, I feel like the Horn Frogs proved that they are good enough to beat quality teams and like yeah. or the best teams in the country. So, no, it is an interesting game. I'll let you go with your prediction first, though. Yeah, so – I don't know what it's been. I've been thinking about the prediction for for a couple of days after seeing both of these the semifinal games go final, and not even really intentionally, I've seen a quote multiple times, and it's not a quote that I'm used to seeing, but it's by the famous Alexander the Great. Quote: "I am not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep." but I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. 
That's a. I've never even heard that. That's amazing. That's a fantastic <laughs> quote. And if you're looking at sheep led by a lion, that's TCU. You're kind of throwing a little shade at a Stinson Bennett. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm saying no, that you, if you're, you're looking saying. at the talent-wise and, and everything that he brings, uh, Max Duggan is definitely that lion. But no, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going Georgia. I am. I am. I just think that again, we've talked about the we've talked about the ability that Kansas State and Michigan had at heating up that pocket, bringing pressure, and it threw Max Duggan off a little bit. I don't think you could tell me that Kansas State would bring would get pressure to Duggan, and Georgia wouldn't be able to. I just don't. I don't think that's that's reasonable. Uh, I mean, Quentin Johnson's going to have to have the best game of his life. Kendra Miller's going to have to have the best game of his life. I think receiving because. You're not going to be able to just simply run the ball through the tackles. Nobody does against Georgia. Nobody has. I mean, you saw Ohio State. They ran for like 130, but half of that was because C.J. Stroud had two like 40-yard uh, scrambles. So nobody's running in between the tackles. And if you are pointing to, Duggan's going to have to be a huge part of that QB read. And I would love for this game to be close. I really would. I think that Duggan – I think he's gotten the respect that he deserves, but I feel like we've talked about him since like week five or six when absolutely nobody knew him. And so I, I honestly hope that he has at least a couple drives and looks the way that he does late in that Kansas State game where it just seemed like it was him just leading that team to to just willing them, doing everything he can to get to get the dub. But I just I really don't see it happening. I just think that Georgia's too good. I don't think that Georgia's going to come out a little bit lackluster like they did against Ohio State. I don't think – that I don't think TCU's defense either is as solid as as as, um, as Ohio State's was, um, and if a Michigan team that doesn't necessarily get their fame in throwing the ball can put up forty five points against your offense, I can only imagine you give Stetson Bennett time to throw the ball, what he's going to be able to do. Yeah, the only thing that worries me, or several things worry me about this game for TCU, but the big one is that you're facing one of the best pass rushes in the country. Yeah. And TCU's O-line is suspect. And we've talked about before, I don't think it's – this is any quarterback. If you're under pressure, it's hard to play. And when you're getting beat up and Georgia's a physical team, the most physical team TCU's played this year, to me, in a long shot, um, I don't know. I could see this one getting pretty ugly pretty fast. I really hope it doesn't. And if it is close, I think TCU wins. I, again, I like to go hard over – Braun whenever the game is really close but I, I don't think this will be close like I hope it's not I could see it being over kind of like by halftime maybe not completely over but like Georgia's got like a 17 point lead and you're like ah this this one's kind of in the book so I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia won this game like again like 42 to 20 almost like like Bama beat Kansas State um but whereas Kansas State got up to an early lead if TCU does that I could see him winning but if Georgia starts out good I, I don't see any chance TCU has a win in this game. Yeah, it's just there's there's so many so many little things that you can look at when you're looking at matchups in this game. I mean, Ringo got exposed with Marvin Harrison Jr. So if you're gonna say he's up against Quentin Johnston, then then hey, maybe you're saying there's a shot. And then again, I would love to see this game like a who gets the ball last type of situation. I think it's it's kind of what we predicted with the the Michigan TCU game uh, last week, saying. It could be very one-sided, or if it's close, you know, you almost maybe like the upper hand with TCU uh, again in this same game. If if there's one team that would run away with it, you know, I don't think anybody's convincing me that TCU is going to win by three touchdowns. 
but I don't think it would take that much convincing for you to tell me that Georgia wins by three touchdowns. And I feel like that's the way that's the way that things get done. But again, if this game is close going into the fourth, and you know TC has the lead or Max Duggan's playing well and has a rhythm, I think it could get interesting. But I just I don't see it happening. I like Georgia. Give me like 37-24. Yeah. I feel like that's that's a respectable score. And I feel like I mean again I'm not going to give TCU no shot at all because again they just went out and beat Michigan who they had who people said they had no chance of going out and beating uh, but they did and so you're looking at that but you're going from Michigan to Georgia which is a giant leap in itself going from Kansas State to the, the jump you made from Kansas State to Michigan I just think the dogs are too much okay well going back to your question I got yeah okay okay so I got everybody from like 2010 up that so that's cam year so cam year up and then uh, before him was McRoy. Tebow won it twice. And then I got Matt Lionheart, 2004 USC. But that, that's all I got. I don't know who LSU's quarterback was in 2002. Uh, no idea. So, like, get, re- get ready to find right. me. So, here we go. So, you got 2021, Stetson Bennett. Yep. Uh, 2020 was Alabama with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. 19 was Burrow with LSU. 2016 was Trevor Lawrence with Clemson. 2017 was Tua. 16, Deshaun Watson. 15, I didn't know if you get this one, but Alabama Jake Coker. Yeah, the Coker. Yep. Uh, 2014 Former was State the, product. the third-string quarterback, Cardell Jones, who that was one of those cool stories that we watched. That was with Zeke Elliott. Uh, 2013, we're just going to move on from that one. That one didn't happen. But, <laughs> uh, 2012 and 2011 were both A.J. McCarron. You said you got 2010 with Cam, 2009, Greg McElroy. Uh, Believe it or not, Tebow only won once, 2008. What about? 2007 was Matt Flynn with LSU. Nah, no shot. 2006, Florida, Chris Leak. Oh, I'm, that's awful. That was Tebow's right. freshman year. I thought Tebow. He played. But he didn't start. That's why. That's dang. Okay, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's not even fair. I, yeah. didn't get <laughs> the, I didn't get that one. I didn't get Matt Flynn. I didn't get Chris Leak. Um, I'm surprised you didn't get this one. 2005 Texas. Oh wow, uh, Vince uh, Young. That's bad. That's awful. And you said you got 2004 Matt Leinart, and I didn't get any of the ones before. I guess that speaks to my my little green self. That's, uh, that's being, bad. I didn't young as I am, but 2003 was Matt Muck. Yeah, no LSU. shot. Actually, I did get 2,000, actually. But 2002 was Ohio State, Craig Krenzel. No shot. 2001, Miami, Ken Dorsey. And I actually got the 2,000 because I saw it during the Rose Bowl ceremony. But uh, Josh Heupel okay, with Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, the only one I'm upset about is Vince Young. That, that yeah. That's inexcusable. <laughs> but, uh, again, I don't think there's any shot I would have got the other ones. I was thinking because I was like, okay, well, LSU won in 2007. I have no idea who their quarterback was in 2007. Yeah, oh, no, not at all. Um. 2006. I'm still going to count that as right because Tebow played, but yeah. no, but no, that is weird. That it's weird how it's how big some of the names from like 2010 to 2012 were. So we have just Heisman winners, but those early years, it shows like the flip of the offense. It shows how I feel like those early years that was those that was when we saw those nine seven or thirteen ten SEC games, and then all of a sudden with Cam and with with AJ McCarron and Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow and you know what we've turned into now, you're seeing the quarterbacks that aren't just the position quarterbacks. You're seeing the 
the quarterbacks that are like the playmakers, and that's what those offenses rely on. No, it's funny because the only one I got that was sub uh, 2007 was Matt Leinhart. It's because he won the Heisman. So, yeah. like, I, I know that, oh, he won the Heisman, then Reggie Bush, I think, finished like fifth, like, because they had the, the that backfield. Damn, what a year for college football because Auburn had uh, Jason Campbell and then Ronnie Brown and then Cadillac <laughs> in the back, the rightful winners of the 2004 National Championship, I might say. But, uh, no, um, besides that, no. I know 2000 to 03 didn't win the Heisman. Uh, who uh, Vince Young did, so I, that's terrible by me. I should have got that. But, no, again, it's weird. Weird how much the quarterback position is. Again, the Heisman Trophy has almost become that quarterback position, barring, you know, a couple Alabama players, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that will do it for – I think we did, we did agree that this is we're going to call it season two, episode one of Tailgate Talk. We'll just go by semesters. Um, we're hoping to hear back once school starts next week whether or not we get the two hours. I don't think there's a reason we shouldn't. Yeah. If anything, we'll do the one hour here, and then we'll try and find another hour somewhere else. Uh, but we do try and keep this as our designated time just because I feel like this is free for both of us. It's the middle of the afternoon. It's kind of the middle of the week, too, where you get to see – the early stuff and then you know stuff happens gradually throughout the week but we love doing it we love being on air just being able to talk talk football I mean I feel like there's nothing nothing that you can go wrong with I'm going to end with the quote again Alexander the Great I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion that's great right there it is really good and again I it's weird. I know I predicted, like, I think mine was like a 25-point difference prediction. If TCU did win this game, I don't think I'd be just shocked. Yeah. I could see it happening. I, again, I think with that guy they have under center, I feel like it's possible. Not likely, but possible, and I really do hope they can get it done because I, I know we, we probably don't show our bias too much, <laughs> but I hate Georgia, and I do not want them to win the national championship for at least two years in a row, too, because I know a lot of people – again, I hate uh, – number one team I hate the most is Alabama – Georgia's pretty close, though. I think people forget that we are the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So, that Georgia hates real, and I hope we beat the crap out of them tonight in basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm actually about to head there now because I'm going to have to cover it. But, uh, once again, thank you for tuning in, whether you're on the radio, on the Weagle website, or on Spotify. Thank you very much for tuning in. You just listened to Season 2, Episode 1 of Tailgate Talk. My name's Christian. Alongside me, Donovan Weaver, and we'll be back next Wednesday on Tailgate Talk. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3 for your weekly dose of college football.